Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for episode 61 of Freight 360. Mr. Benjamin Kowalski, how are you this morning? I'm doing very well, Nate. How are you doing? Were you up late last night? I Yeah, I think the whole country was. So obviously we record on Wednesdays. Yesterday was election day. It's Apparently it's like election week, though, because I don't think anybody's going to see any results. Might be election quarter. I will, I will say, so we, we, you know, we don't take a political stance on this, uh, on, in this media company slash podcast, but uh, it is, it is historic to see, you know, something be this close and, and drag out. It's kind of like, you know, 20 years ago in the 20, uh, 2000 election, right? Gore, with the Gore Bush, so, the hanging uh, Chaz in my state of Florida. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. You know, what's funny is I used to watch how I met your mother back when that was uh, on TV. And one of the episodes, the main character dressed up as a hanging Chad for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, what is that? And I was like, oh yeah, Florida. <laughs> yep. So, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a wild and, and crazy week here. A lot of stuff happening. Um, one thing to, to, to note me here up in uh, Western New York, I've seen snow on two different days already. Just wanted oh, to put that out there and I it's for stuck you, for like, 12 to 24 hours. We had it on Sunday, then again on Monday. Um, but it's going to be in the 70s this weekend. So I, this is what happens in Western New York. It's the most bipolar weather you've ever seen. Um, I think last year we saw snow seven or eight calendar months straight. Obviously, the first and the last months, it doesn't stick. So like October, and then we saw it into May. Um, so yeah, pretty, uh, pretty wild stuff. Hey, I, I had to put a coat on two days ago. I, I was talking to my dad up in Pittsburgh. I was like, man, it's getting cold. He's like, well, how cold is it? I looked at my phone. And I was like, well, it's 72, but the humidity <laughs> was really low. And I had to throw a coat on and I think I actually had to put socks on and a pair of shoes. So, I mean, that's nice. That's well, we're about 60 degrees right now. We're going to hit mid sixties here in Western New York today. Looking forward to it and looking forward to a nice warm weekend. Um, let's take a quick look at some sports, but today's episode is going to be great. We're, we're going to just hit up. We've gotten so many good questions and there's so much good content out there. People are talking about, we're dedicating this episode to really, really good quality questions that have, have been, uh, asked out there and we're going to dig into all of them. There's a little bit for everybody, whether you're brand new seasoned W2 agent, company owner, you name it, carrier shipper. We got, we've got a little bit of everything. And a reminder to everybody out there, right? We get these questions because you're taking the time to ask us what you guys really want to find out, right? Um, so keep those questions coming in. Either go and go to freight360.net, reach out to us on LinkedIn, whatever the easiest way is for you. Get your questions over. We love answering them. We love being able to engage in what really matters to you guys out there. Absolutely. And another thing too, it's you don't just have to go to our website or email us or go to LinkedIn. We are actively involved. Obviously, we've got our own Facebook group that we're running now. Um, we'll leave a link in the show notes for that. It's it's very much focused on brokers and uh, carriers. Uh, but also, we're actively involved in other social media platforms where we are discussing, answering questions, asking questions. So if you're asking a question out there in, in a fairly popular or common social media platform, I'm probably going to see it and it's probably going to pop up on the show if it's a good one. So um, stay That's involved. That's a great point, Nate. Yeah. And, and to, you know, kind of go a little bit further with that, our Facebook group is Freight Brokers and Carriers Network. You can see our logo at the top of it. And Nate and I and a few other coaches are going to be logging in there at the very least daily. So if you have any questions, um, you know, jump in there, join the group, throw those questions in there. We'll be more than happy to jump on and start answering those. And we're getting some really good dialogue. And I think a lot of good conversations in there about some stuff that really matters to people and helps their business on a day to day. Yeah. And another thing too, which is cool is, you know, we've, we want this to be a platform where brokers and carriers can interact, not just with questions and discussion, but to actually try to engage in business. So I've seen some postings put up there and some of that good stuff. So have at it. We're growing it. It's still in in the infancy stages here, but um, you know, it's a, it's a long haul, it's a marathon and we're going to get there. and, 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 you know, the goal is to be the number one social media page for this type of industry. So Good stuff. All right. Quickly on sports. Get into it. Oh, right. yeah. Sports. Just a quick NFL rundown here. 
My boys um, are killing it. Last undefeated team in the country, right? Yeah. So here we go. So Steelers. Bills took down the Steelers last year, and it's going to be – I think I took that for granted when looking at this this year's schedule. Um, you guys are, in my eyes, you're either a number one or number two team right now. So, and, a lot of games left, though, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, so – We'll we'll see how the how the season shakes up, and that's gonna be I think it's like a Sunday night game later in the season. That'll be good. But yeah, you guys are still Steelers undefeated. Um, Bills had a uh, had a win over New England and taken on Seattle this weekend at home. That'll be an interesting game. Um, it's a game the Bills can lose, but it's a game that if they win, it'll really show some strength that the defense can actually pay, play a full four quarters. Other way and other areas around the league. Uh, this let's see here. Cowboys are terrible. The Jets are terrible. Um, the Giants almost beat Tom Brady and his Buccaneers Monday night, but couldn't convert a two point conversion like in the last minute of the game. Um, yeah, so things are shaking up here. We're start, you're starting to see the pieces fall in line and see who's where. So that's NFL in a nutshell. We're approaching all the bye weeks for everybody. So you know teams are getting caught up on their. Um, you know, injuries and some of the people already were forced to take bye weeks because of uh, the postponed games with COVID testing, things like that. So things are shaking up in other, in the other areas around the world of sports, obviously baseball's done. The Dodgers finally took a world series championship. I think it was last week when that was done. And then um, <clears throat> hockey starting up here shortly golf. They just pretty much play year round. Masters are going to be on November 12th, starting next Thursday. So, so it's so crazy to see that in November. It is. That's weird. when they get the green jacket, right? Yeah. I had to look yeah. it up again because I knew it was in November. But yeah, it's actually eight days. Well, a week from today, they'll next have, weekend. I think the par three is what they do on Wednesdays. I think. Okay. See, the I, I, son. That I haven't watched the Masters in a while. So they do a par three on Wednesday and then they play the... I, Thursday through Sunday or what? I can't remember. They used to have, and it was like a father son. Cause there's a par three course there. And I think they always do that earlier in the week, but I also did read that. I think they may not be doing that this year because of COVID, but that's usually like a pretty big thing um, that starts the week off. And then they go right into obviously the normal cuts and everything else. So cool. Good stuff. And I'm trying to think elsewhere around, let's see. You ever have you are you a soccer fan at all? I played soccer, but never really got into watching it. So I I was talking to a guy. Let's, let's see here. It was probably a few weeks ago, and he was explaining to me how with all the delays, there's what the two big European leagues. You got the Premier League and the Champion League, I think is what they are. And if someone out yeah. there is a soccer listener and I messed that up, I apologize. But it sounds like based on depending on what team they are, some of these folks had three weeks off and we're getting right back into playing. So crazy. Well, yeah. it's kind of like hockey. Hockey just wrapped up and they're already looking at getting started back up shortly as well. So good stuff. All right, let's get into the content. Let's get into these questions, Ben. We got some really, really good ones here. Um, first question comes to us from a group in Reddit. And the question was, how should I be handling my customer's objection of, our freight is customer routed. So in a nutshell, here's what they're asking. Um, they're prospecting a shipper, trying to get some freight out of them as a broker. And the customer's response or objection is, I don't actually tender the freight, my customer routes it. So they're either just the receiver or if they're the actual shipper, their receiver is the one that's actually hiring the truck. Now, Ben, this could be, a, this could be true, or it could just be an objection. And could I'm sure be. that you've seen this in your time in the trenches. What do you think? I Well, I think that's the first thing that I'm going to ask. Like mentally in my head is, well, one, am I speaking to the person that is screening me or am I speaking to somebody that is a decision maker or, you know, that circle of decision makers within there, right? If I'm catching this from a gatekeeper or from somebody that's screening calls or the first person you're speaking to, I'm honestly not even going to acknowledge it or I'm going to acknowledge it like lightly and kind of push past it if it as if it wasn't even said because I think this is one that a lot of good gate, gatekeepers are aware that they can utilize and get brokers off the phone quickly it just sounds too easy right it is right 
Same like, with, oh, I'm not the right guy. We only ship LTO or yeah, you know, it, it's customer routed, right? Likely when they, when they got trained for their job, it was one of the first things that, that their uh, person training them told them is, Hey, you're going to get phone calls from people wanting to do business with us. Easiest way to get them off the phone is just tell them all our business is customer routed. It'll work nine times out of 10. And it probably mm-hmm. does. I think the bigger question is, what do you do or what, what do you think is a good way when this isn't true to validate or validate that it is true? How would you, cause I, I've got a couple so, ways that I go with this. What do you I, think? I'm, I'm going to give you two different angles on this. So the first one I'm going to look at is if it actually is true. Right. And then mm-hmm. I'll come back to if they're just using it as an objection. So if it actually is true, I think if you've, if you've got a good relationship or if you're having a good call or whatever, what I would recommend is you never know when that customer might actually be tendering their own freight down the road, or if that individual ever leaves and goes to another company and then becomes someone tendering freight. You want to build a personal rapport and relationship regardless, all right? It's just good to be, to be a, a good person and have good relationships overall. That's what wins business in the long term in this field. The second part to that is if they're not the one tendering it, if their customer is, find out who their customer is, and now you've got another lead. It's, it's as simple as that. So, you know, maybe, like I said, maybe they're the shipper and their receiver is actually the one tendering the freight. Find out who they're shipping to and who's actually controlling the freight. Now you've got yourself a new set of leads or vice versa. If they're the receiver and their shipper that's sent to them is the one tendering it, go find out who they're getting their inbound freight from. And again, you got another set of leads. Now, if they are using it as an objection, I think there are probing questions that you can ask to validate that. Um oh. I think one, and kind of before you go down that, because I wanted to talk a little bit about what you just said, because you brought up some great points. I've had customers that their customers were the ones that routed it, right? So same scenario where I'm going to ask is, hey, let me ask you this. Do your customers ever ask you for referrals or who you guys recommend to ship your freight? Because I've gotten business exactly like you said. Yeah, it was customer routed, but their customers rely on them to recommend who the person was going to actually haul their freight. So you can, like you said, end up with a whole new customer that you didn't expect and some business out of that one. Yeah. So that's a good point. And I think without getting confrontational or adversarial with them, you don't want to try and call them a liar. You could still give yourself a value add proposition because at some, at some point it always happens something goes wrong and they're going to need someone's help. And if you're consistent and you're building the relationship, they're going to remember that you were the one calling them and that they know that you've got some solid carrier relationships that often service that lane, just be at the top of their mind. Um, But, you know, you're going to run into these kind of things. There's a lot of objections out there. This is one of the easiest ones for customers to use. So if you're a customer out there and looking to get some, some, uh, scrappy brokers off the phone, you may want to start by using this one and <laughs> it'll be a good a point. Lot but I think, and, and to your point, right, it's a great way where you're going to answer this objection without confronting them and building more rapport. And it goes back to serving them, right? Think about this. Yep. They're trying to get you off the phone. Maybe that is their initial intent. And if you acknowledge it, and that's the first thing you want to do is, hey, so you're telling me all or most of your, your freight is routed by your customers and they're going to likely reaffirm that and say, yes, that's what I want to come back and say, Hey, you know, let me ask this to your point, Nate is, do they ever ask you for referrals? You know, do they look for, you know, who you guys recommend to haul or load it because maybe their freight has some specific criteria around it. Maybe there are some things that make it different or they use specific types of carriers, whatever that may be. Right. And then following that up with just like you said, more service, right? Like, Hey, let me ask you this. And I know this is probably few and far between, but is there ever a load that doesn't get picked up on time or because think about this, right? If this shipper really does rely on all of their customers to route their trucks, most of these customers at some point are either going to make a mistake or a truck's going to be late or a truck was miscommunicated to. That's when you want to be able to provide that service and say, hey, you know, if there ever is a time where maybe you're expecting something to get loaded and it doesn't, what do you guys, what do you guys do in that circumstance? That's what I was going to say is what about those one-offs, right? Yep. Cause this could, this could, this is a um, relative point for if it's just an objection and they're lying to you or if they're being serious, cause are there those one-off instances when they do have to try and help out and cover that fall, that truck that fell off? 
Mm-hmm. And just like so. you said, if you're genuinely asking and you're generally empathizing and caring and you want to serve them, you'll find out very quickly through these lines of questioning whether or not they were, if this was an honest or a blow off, right? Yeah. They start I stumbling think- around and they start not able to answer. Well, you, you know, I, real quick, you're going to probably know it's a blow off and that's fine. You want to maybe back off a little bit, but maybe when you reapproach this prospect a week or two weeks from now, you know that that's the case. Exactly. And the point, I, the point I wanted to wrap it up with on this question is that the more that you're doing these sales calls and we know all your brokers listening, we know you're all making your 80 to hundred calls a day, right? Yep. Right. Right. So the more you do this and that the whole point of this is with repetition, you're going to get a sense of just knowing fairly quickly on the call, if they're being genuine with you, if they're blowing you off and you have to make a judgment call, is it worth you asking more probing questions, prying doing a little aggressive follow-up or is it more worth your time to just move on to the next one? Yep. So great cool. question though. I mean, it was a great question. Very common one. I mean, people are running this it daily. Is. If you are making 80 calls a day, you're likely hearing this at least half dozen times, if not yep. more. Absolutely. All right, great. Next question. So this comes from a carrier that recently started a brokerage. Now they said, um, we've been a carrier for three years. We recently just added a brokerage to our company. And their question is, is there a customer slash, let me say that again. Is there a shipper slash customer freight board? So I kind of got a, I got a kick out of this one, Ben. So obviously if you're yeah. a carrier and you're not having to rely on solic- or prospecting your own direct shippers, you just go to a load board. There's a, you get the pick of the litter depending on the market and capacity, but you pretty much just see what every broker has out there for freight. You call on it, you try to negotiate it. And boom, that's it. Now that they've entered into the brokering world, they just assume, oh, well, customers must be the same way. Are customers just up there and I can go call on their freight? That's not the case. So, and it kind of made me laugh. This goes to show why when someone that doesn't have the experience or understand brokerage just goes and gets their authority, these are very, very common issues. And I, twice this week already, I talked to somebody that was just trying so hard. They wanted to be an agent for the company that I represent and they're telling me like, you know, I, I don't, I don't understand this. Like I, I don't have any customers. How am I supposed to get customers? Can I just, who am I supposed to call? If I join your company, can I just get customers? No, you've got to put in the legwork. This is why there's such a high turnover. There's a low barrier to entry to get into the brokerage side of the business. And this is where hustle and grind is going to really hustle. Yeah. It's the hustle in any business, right? I mean, at the end of the day, nobody's ever paying for your service unless you're selling to go get more of these people, right? And, no. and I was re- watching an interesting interview the other day and somebody was talking about this even in like the startup world is that's that most valuable skill set. You've got to be able to talk and convince and bring people to want to do what the service you provide is, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's inherent in every business and there's really no shortcut to getting there. So here's what I will tell you because I want to answer the question. All right, no, there's not a shipper slash customer freight board. There's not a load board for customers, right? Otherwise, brokers would be all over it. Um, So let's talk about two things. Number one, if you are a carrier that adds a brokerage, how can you get customers? And then number two, if you are a carrier that has customers, should you be entering into the brokerage world? So let's take a look at the first one, kind of relates to the question, how can they get customers? Well, I will tell you what not to do. Don't go back solicit your brokers. It's usually not allowed via your contract as it is. You'll be blacklisted. You get a bad rep in the industry. I see it day in and day out. Here's what you can do. Just like brokers recommend doing this, look at where, you know, not your not where you're picking up for the customer, but where are you delivering? What stops do you have along the way? These are other potential customers. You have personal FaceTime and relationship building opportunities at these facilities with the folks on the dock and the shipping and receiving managers, start planting the seed, okay? Uh, you've got to have the authority, obviously, to be able to broker their freight, but you can let them know that, hey, you know, we've got folks in this area fairly frequently, give them your honest capacity, what kind of lanes you're running, your equipment, fleet size, all that stuff, and then you got to start the prospecting and follow up. Well, that's a great point, right? I think what a lot of times happens that I see too, and I have conversations with cares in this situation is that they assume a lot. They assume that they're getting all the business that their shippers could give them, right? And in this instance, most carriers and most carriers around the country do business with shippers that are local to them and they grow with that shipper. But don't assume that once you open your brokerage, that shipper is going to just start offering you more freight. 
you've got to ask the questions. You either got to put your sales hat on and call them and go, hey, we are opening a brokerage and we'll get into this in the second part of your question to support our assets, to be able to provide you better service. Are there any other lanes that, you know, we haven't discussed because previously it didn't make sense. Our assets weren't there. Maybe you have a troubled lane. Like, hey, let us take a look at that. Let us provide or give us an opportunity to show you what we can do in addition to what we have been doing for you for years. There's probably a lot of opportunity in there with your existing customers already. That's where I would start. I agree. I love that. That's a, that's a great, great way to put it. It's all about the value add. Um, and the, it's, essentially, it's an upsell is what it is. Yeah. So now the, the second side of the equation, let's say you're a carrier you have direct shippers and now you're looking at getting into a brokerage. I think there are two ways to do this. Um, first of all, there's a, before I get into the two ways to do it, there's a certain size carrier that I think you need to, you need to be at a certain size before this makes sense. If you just have one truck, not going to make sense. Okay. Um, because realistically you're not going to have, you don't have the capacity to really be a good value added broker to anybody. Um, when I see carriers get to like six, seven, eight trucks and more, and they've got a, a decent sized fleet that has a decent reach and radius, that's when you're going to start being attractive to get customer direct freight and then be able to offer additional broker services on top of that. So have the size to be able to be a good value add to your, not just value add, but a reliable and reliable often for these shipping customers. Um, so now let's say you have your fleet, maybe you got 10, 15 trucks. You only have certain equipment type. Maybe you only have flatbeds, right? Maybe you only have dry vans. Maybe you only have a certain radius that you're operating within because you want to get your drivers home every single week. Um, that being said, if your direct customer has freight that goes either beyond your capacity, beyond your equipment type, beyond your radius, or, or all of the above, that is when you can offer, well, hey, we have a great relationship as it is, we can also offer you brokerage services. We've got a lot of connections with other carriers that we have um, you know, built relationships with over the years. We can help you in that brokerage capacity. We're still your number one single point of contact handling, handling these lanes. We're going to vet you out additional uh, drivers to come pick these up for you and get them delivered. Now, there's two ways to do it. One, get your own authority, deal with all the hassle that goes into it. Or number two is to go basically create that brokerage division as an agency or an agent for a larger licensed brokerage. So I've seen um, the agent model work out fairly, fairly well, where you know it's not going to impede on their cash flow because they're getting paid weekly commission on the, the brokered freight that they're moving for their customers. The only difference is there's a second invoicing company now. So now that their customers not getting invoiced just from them as a trucking company. They're also getting invoiced from a brokerage, which they're an agency for. So you have to kind of make the determination. Do you want the simplicity and good cash flow, and have a second company involved in it? Or do you want to go get your own authority and bond and everything, and then have to do the AR AP side of it and worry about the cash flow? So, but I think you all go with great. Exactly. And both ways, and under both ways, you still need the same person doing two jobs when you open the brokerage doors, right? You need yes. a sales rep to go get shippers, but you need talented salespeople to go get you the carrier base. You need yep. to be able to go because without that, you're effectively, you don't have anything to sell or provide. A broker is just an intermediary, right? Yeah. I've seen I've seen the carriers fail at this one more than succeed. And I, here's the advice I've always given people. And this comes from, this is 100% my real world experience and what I've seen work. Okay. If a, if a carrier is going to inject a brokerage into their business model, whether it's as an agent or as getting their own authority, if they don't have a, at least one single person dedicated just to that brokerage, they are not going to succeed because you're yes. not going to be, it's not going to be worth your time or money if someone is trying to wear two hats and they're going to focus on the path of least resistance, which is what they've already been doing, which is covering their own trucks with brokered freight or their customer's freight. Now they're not going to be enticed to go maybe call on additional shippers or try to grow that brokerage. You want to have someone dedicated to that. Well, that's the reality. And that's also, you know, the same thing. I see the same things, Nate, is that, you know, you have somebody that's used to selling for assets and now they've got to sell for non-assets or a brokerage. It's a different sell, different yep. objections, different. It's a different product type. And we don't need to go into the difference between what assets provide versus brokerages, but they are very different things. There's another so margin a, layer added in there. Yes. There's risk. There's 
there's also a lot of options. I mean, yeah, there's there's so many pros and cons. And it's not better or worse, but at the very least, it is different. And what happens is when somebody's used to doing one and you just throw them into the other and it doesn't work, or as soon as they start running into some you know hurdles or stumbling blocks, what do they tend to do? Right back to what they're used to doing. Yep. Stop doing this all together. And now the nobody's, zone. yeah. And now so, nobody's doing this. Exactly. Good, uh, good question though, good point. All right, next question. This is from a broker asking, is there always a cheaper truck? Basically, this person is saying that the feedback they're getting from their customer is that someone is always underbidding them by like 50 bucks or $100. Now, is there always a cheaper truck? There's probably a cheaper (laughs) broker. But that being said, as a broker, you're really competing with other brokers for the same capacity that's out there. So I don't know that there's necessarily a cheaper truck. Yeah, there probably is a cheaper truck, but more in more cases, it's probably going to be a cheaper broker and maybe also a cheaper truck. So um, an example that I've seen many times be successful is if the customer wants to get to that price, that price point, that price objection, What here's what's effective. And it's realistic. You're not lying. This is realistic. Hey, here's the price I have for a good quality truck right now. If you want to give me another 24, 40 hours, I will shop it, find more available capacity and carriers, and I will try to get it down by $100. But do you want it now with this good carrier that I can vouch for? Or do you want to wait another day or two and let it sit while I go and try to find a cheaper option for you? My favorite. It's, yeah, I'm offering them, I'm making them choose, right, between a rate and a date. You're never going to get both, which is that other adage, right? We talk about this all the time. We offer three kinds of service, right? Good, cheap, and fast. You can pick any two. Good service, cheap, won't be fast. Good service, fast, won't be cheap. And fast service, cheap, won't be good, right? Yeah. Allow them to choose. And that's usually the, those, the brokers that are, you know, using a cheaper truck and having a cheaper margin. It's going to be poor quality and they usually don't last. There's not enough meat on the bone to be always undercutting somebody being the cheapest guy. They're probably not going to last in the industry for either because if they're a licensed broker, they won't have the cash flow to stay afloat. Um, if they're an employee, they're not going to hit their goals. And they're going to get canned. I mean, th- these folks, they come and go. There's the ebb and flow of the uh, the good ones and the bad ones, but they won't be around for long. So stand your ground. Don't set a bad precedent by trying to always be the cheapest. Well, and that's the other thing is if you're competing on rate and price, you haven't put enough work into finding a real need. If the real needs there and you find that what the real issue is or what they really need is you got to be selling on value. And why I think most people get stuck on rate and price is that everybody will start with that and tell you that that's what they need. Oh, we just need rates. We just need the cheapest truck, right? That's always what they're going to lead with. It is your job as the rep to dig deeper because in some cases that person you're speaking to maybe doesn't even know at the front of their mind what is more important than rate because their bosses and everybody else in their industry is telling them that the shippings need to be down. We got to cut costs. We got to cut costs. We got to cut costs. But if you build enough rapport to understand what that person's job is like and what your value is to them, now you're getting away from this. You got to be moving away from rate constantly to what you really provide, which is service or on time, getting the right truck there at the right time, getting them loaded and getting it out of their dock. Yeah. And I think on the point of the, the rate discussion there, Ben, there's a, there's a range of rates that I think are healthy. And I think as long as you stay within that range on some of them, you might have to go on the lower end of it. Right. Yeah. But on, on other ends you can be, or on other instances you could be in that healthy medium area or even on the, the higher fatter, fattier side of it, where you're getting a little bit more uh, profit out of it. The whole point is the industry changes or the, the rates and capacity changes all the time, literally by like the hour in a lot of lanes, depending yeah. on what's going on. So not every single lane is going to go for the same price every single time, every single day. And if they are, it's probably because they're contracted. But or even more so, Nate, fluctuates. that's a great point, right? You might be talking to a shipper, just happens to be you talk to them every Tuesday morning when their loads get tendered. Well, you might not be following up with that, that shipper. And you know what? Wednesday afternoon and Thursday afternoon when they have a truck fallout and their loads still need to get out of their dock at four o'clock and they're about to shut the doors, 
I promise you they're willing to pay more to not pay. In some cases, they're loading staff overtime to load the trucks. They're willing to pay more to make sure their load actually gets to their customer when they told their customer they were, right? You just may not have timed it correctly or asked enough questions to realize that, yeah, rate's important when they are first looking for trucks to cover the majority of their loads. But when it comes down to, you know, go time and this thing actually needs loaded, they're probably willing to pay a little bit more than they were the day before or even the morning of because they changed throughout the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's it. Because guess what? When a bunch of trucks every morning in a certain location all get booked, that capacity throughout the day is going to get tighter and tighter and tighter. And that's why the longer your customer waits, the less chance they are going to have at really getting a cheaper truck. So... You got to, you got to educate them and kind and of your work changes too, by the way, like as the broker, you know, you might be able to book, if you got five loads a day, you might book the first three or four super easy in the morning and make, you know, two fifty a load in the afternoon, your shipper might call you back. Go, Hey, I had two falls, two fallouts. You might spend two and a half hours finding that next truck. You should be charging more. It's more work. That's your specialized skill set. That's what that shipper doesn't have time to do is to get on and start calling through the load boards to find a truck that'll pick up in the next 45 minutes. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Next question. This is all about training and education. So for someone that is, this is someone that's new to brokerage asked, as far as training and schools for new brokers, where should I start? So th- there's a discussion to be had around this one, okay? Um, we talked about training courses in the past, and we've talked about folks that are brand new and have no experience. Now, I, I want to kind of set the record straight here, okay? Because, Ben, we, we literally offer education. This is what we do with this podcast and with Freight 360 overall. I think that if you are brand new and have zero experience, if you're going to pay for a training course, I would not expect for that alone to be the only solution you need to be successful. I think it's a lot of times they almost, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. I, I personally think that these, these training courses and brokerage classes that are out there are a great third party tool for you to use to leverage outside of a brokerage that you're already affiliated with. Okay. I think that you should be affiliated with a tenured organization that already has the financials set. They've got their back office set. Billing processes are set. They're handling everything very, very well. You have an opportunity, but now you want additional means to make yourself a little bit sharper of a knife and be more competitive against the other brokers out there. So, um, Let's talk about schools and training a little bit. Um, Obviously, our goal here at Freight 360 is to offer as much free education and knowledge as possible. And we're going to always continue to do that. But there is definitely a, some people have a need or a want or desire to have more of a personalized coaching or more in-depth training. And there is a lot of that stuff out there. And we're going to start to offer some of that stuff ourselves. So what are your thoughts on the schools for somebody if they're brand new versus if they're working, maybe they're a new broker at a company they're in their like their second or third month? Well, I think that's exactly true. Is it? It's new brokers is very general. I think they're any type of education, I wouldn't steer anybody away from. I think the more education, the more time you're willing to spend outside of things is only going to make you better at the job. Where I think a lot of people go wrong is the assumption that sitting through a training is going to qualify you or teach you the same amount as you would working next to somebody doing this and working for an organization now that's either an agent or a W-2 employee, where you're going to be able to learn all of the ins and outs, right? I've always been a big advocate and I practice what I preach of, hey, I'm gonna go work for somebody that knows how to do this very well first and I'm gonna learn as much as I can, if everything, until where I get to a point where I'm probably gonna be able to do more without that organization, then I'm gonna look to go off on my own. I think there are a lot of great avenues for you to get into this industry without just spending $1,000 on a course and then expecting somebody to hire you because this industry and, and every industry, right? So like I coach into financial sales, financial advisors, insurance, all these other industries. And even in those, these licenses don't get you a job. Like they're a required barrier to entry, but they don't literally get you a job. The same way you see this on LinkedIn, you know, certified truck broker, CTB, um, a lot of these other courses, like they're not going to get you what it would to work with a company for a year. They're, they're just yeah. not. And I, I will add this in. So let's say you're a, maybe you're a young agent or you're a sub agent or you're a, a newer W2 employee. Um, here's the deal. 
you can always go to the guy sitting next to you. But think about this. If you're that seasoned person and someone's asking you for help, sure, you're going to help them. But are you going to help them so much that they're going to become your own competition? And I think this is where having a, an outside source or unbiased third party training or education tool is going to be beneficial for you. For example, if you were to use a, uh, a sales coach or a, um, you know, a mentor that you're going to talk to that's going to take a look at your situation with no bias and give their direct candid feedback and it's not going, they're not looking at their own freight broker and commission check the same way that you're the guy sitting next to you at the office would. So like I, in, in the past, when I would train somebody new in a sales role, I, you know, I, I always, I love to train and educate. So I have a lot of passion for that, but you get to a point where you show them enough that they can then take the reins and do their own thing. But I'm not going to show them all my secret sauce and show them exactly what I'm doing when we're literally under the same roof competing for the exact same business. Does that right. make sense? And that's and that's why our industry exists, right? And and I had a conversation with a guy, one of the you know top three brokerages in the country, yesterday about this. I came out and spoke to his team, and he said, "You know what? Like, I don't understand." And in some cases, you said some of the same things, but in some cases, much different, and it just resonated differently. And I said, "The part that you're you're trying to get your head around is the fact that." everybody has this incentive where like you're going to protect things and there are certain things you're just never going to be comfortable or vulnerable enough with to speak about and with a manager with somebody that you know works for the same company at the end of the day it's still your boss you're maybe not going to tell them or you know even your colleagues you're still competing right you're not going to tell them their secrets so it's also hard to bounce ideas off of what works what you should be doing more of what you should be doing less of and that's the value in a coach right like that's really what we do and what you should be speaking with us about i agree I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. There, think about it. There are so many, you know, maybe you found a certain tool or a certain way that you're producing leads that you don't want to give everybody else access to that. I dealt with this myself and right. I, we talk, you and I talked about this offline in a different context, but I had a, there was a point in time when um, I was employed at a company was paying out of my own pocket for access to a certain pool of leads that only I was using. And there was like, five or six of us on the team. And once my company was like, wow, this is working. They're like, we'll just pay for everyone to do that. And I was like, come on, man. Like now I got, you know, yeah. one of like five versus having it myself. And sure. It's nice to have the company pay for it. But when my little investment of a couple hundred dollars a month was paying 10 X that in dividends. And now it's like, well, so much for that kind of sucks. So does yeah. both something that you, yeah, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move on to the next question. Yeah, this is about, uh, sub agents and their pay. So the, the question here was basically, am I getting screwed? Here's the situation. This is a sub agent. All right. And I'm going to give you the numbers and then I'm going to break it down and really explain this and give my advice. So they said, am I getting screwed? All right. If I make, let's say for example, I make a thousand dollar rip on a load. So a thousand dollars in brokerage profit, right? The agent that I work for makes 60%. So now we're down to $600 and that agent pays me 20% of what he makes. So now that $600 just became $120, which gives them an effective commission rate of 12%. Now let's write that down. That was a lot of numbers, kind of confusing. So some of you might be asking, what is a sub agent? All right. Start there. All right. So, all right. We already know that an agent is a independent contractor that is essentially a sales rep selling on behalf of a brokerage, right? So a lot of big companies out there. Um, so a lot of times you'll see a 50 to 70% commission paid out to the agent, depending on a lot of different variables and factors. Okay. Now, so in this example, right, the agent's getting 60%. So that thousand dollar rip, they're going to get a $600 commission. Well, they have a sub agent, which is a, another subcontracted layer below them that they hired essentially to do some of the work for them. So now they've got to pay that sub agent with what money they've made on the load. So their agreement is I'm going to pay you 20% of what I make, but 20% of 60% is really only 12%. So effectively this sub agent, which they're, they're brokering, 
they're, you know, they're a 1099 just like their bosses, but they're getting 12% of their work with likely no base pay because they're 1099. And they're wondering, am I getting screwed? Well, here's the question, Nate. What do they get for that 12%? What else do they not have to do? And what are they relying on for the the rest of it? That's the question is a lot of times is, well, let me ask you this. Is it your customer or is it your boss's customer? If it's your boss's customer and they're going to pay you 12% to cover loads and those loads are making $1,000 a piece, dude, that's not bad. Yeah. You're probably, I mean, you're really not a sub agent. You're just an ops person that's contracted with them. And you're getting paid really Um, well. (laughs) Yeah. And the, but then the other question is too, what else are they offering you? If you are newer and this person is training you and they're mentoring you and they're putting you on sales calls with them and they're taking you under their wing. Yeah. I would take a very small commission and that, you know, that, that low payout for that education and mentorship in return. Now I will caution you. Go ahead. No. Yeah. Cause to that point, right. Dovetail that with our last question. People are going, well, if I don't pay for a training and I don't pay for a school, how do we do this? Right. The answer is in this question, right? You, you can find opportunities where you're able to actually earn commission. You can learn the business and profit from it without having to outlay cash. Yeah. Maybe you're going to give up some of what you would keep if you did this all yourself. But in this scenario, this sub agent is getting a really great deal, in my opinion. If they're covering their, yep. you know, their boss's freight, they're learning from him, they're able to ask questions. That is a far more immersive educational experience. They're going to get a lot farther a lot quicker. So there, there is danger to this. All right. And the danger comes with, you know, do you get stuck there for so long and you never, you never, your your wings never grow enough where you can fly on your own? Or on the other side, if you're the agent that hired this sub-agent. Do they ever try to leave you and take your business? Now, here's where I've seen this as an effective tool. All right. And I'll tell you that to kind of to start this off with a the short answer up front is if you're looking to become an agent, you don't have experience, go offer to be a sub agent for somebody and offer them some kind of plan just like this where, hey, you can pay me very cheap. I'm going to bust my ass and hammer out the phones and I'll help you with whatever you have going on with your customers. I want to learn. And some people even offer to do it for free for a month or so as kind of a side hustle just to learn. Now, here's where I've seen it effective, where an agent that's going to take on a sub agent and dedicate their time to training and mentoring this person, they will say, you're locked in with me for six months or for a year, right? You're, You're restricted from working for anybody else while you're with me. And then when you when that's done, you can decide if you want to stay with me or if you want to leave. But if you want to leave and go be your own agent or do something else, you cannot touch any of the business that I gave you or that, that you worked for me. Anyone that you gained along the way, they're yours. You earned them. Because yeah, think about it. If they're, let's say they're getting, you know, like this guy, 60% and he's paying 20 of that out. The other 80% of the commission, he's keeping. So if let's say I'm an agent and I hired Joe Schmo as my sub agent and I showed him how to, you know, get customers and hammer the phones and handle objections. And he gets a couple customers, every load he moves, I'm making more than him on those loads and he's doing the work. So if you can lock that in for a year or so, or six months or a year, it's worth your time to basically be training and mentoring somebody, but then let them free at the end. Or maybe they want to partner with you on a different commission after that time is up once they're comfortable on their own. And it can be very profitable for the subs. Like I, I ran into a guy in a similar arrangement as this. He was making over six figures as ops covering loads. I mean, yeah. really good money. Um, oh yeah. Oh no yeah. Risk just so, covering loads. Yeah. So I will say if you're a sub agent that is doing strictly ops and you don't have your own accounts, you're, you're really creating yourself uh, you know, a, a dead end. You're not going to be able to progress out of there. If you're not going to get your own business, I will tell you, if you have your own customers, if you have your own business and you know you're a sub agent, if you've been doing it for six, 12 months and you're still there, it's probably time to start looking at getting out of that situation and becoming your own agent. Now that you're comfortable working as a contractor, working from home, not having a clock to hit every single day and all that good stuff, you, you know how the 1099 world works. Go be your own agent. Give me a call and I'll talk to you about making 70% instead of making 60 like your boss is making. So. Yeah. Good stuff. Good discussion. Cause that, that comes up a lot. Um, I will also warn people if you're an agent right now or you're a broker and you're like, Oh, I'm just gonna go hire a ton of agents or sub agents and they're just gonna make me a bunch of money. No, you gotta be 
offering them a huge value add for them to stay with you and actually you gotta, for them to turn over and be good. Yeah, or you need a book big enough that's going to support that too, right? Like yep. these sub agents aren't just going to go. And I, I know what's probably going through a good majority of people's head after listening to this is I don't like cold calling. I'm going to hire a sub agent to do that job, right? <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah, it's such a bad way. I mean, the the one the revenue worst thing business yeah. you're going to outsource to somebody else. No way. Don't do it. All right. We got two more questions here. Next question is, what are the ways that I can leverage the load boards to increase my profits? So there's a lot of ways. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we always talk about carrier utilization. You want to have repeat carriers. There's going to be a time, whether it's early on in your career or when you're in a bind, you don't have an available normal carrier truck available. You're going to go to the load boards. Now, I think the short answer here, and we can peel back the layers on it, is to increase your profits, you want to be able to have exposure to as many possible carriers as possible on the load boards. Now, that being said, this could be posting a rate. This could be looking at the rating tools on that load board before posting a rate. This could be just knowing the rates that are available or the historical rates posted up there and then making out calls to carriers. What do you think, Ben? There's a lot of tools in there, whether it's DAT, truck stop, you know, one, two, three load board. There's a ton of them out there. I'd say probably one of the most, the biggest thing that comes to my mind is utilizing the load board to get you the information you don't have first off. The first thing that I'm going to do, and one of the most valuable things I found on load boards is yes, it's connecting me with the market. I mean, that's huge. And without that in and of itself, you can't really function, but knowing what is going on, like we talk a lot about, even in this, in this episode about the fact that rates change throughout a day. Are you looking to see what that is? Are you looking at your lanes again later in the day? Are you looking at them after you cover it? Look at them at three o'clock in the afternoon. Look at them at different days. Look at them at Friday in the afternoon at three, four o'clock. Look what that rate is. Even if you cover them over and over again on Tuesday morning, what we talked about earlier in this episode is they're paying a different price likely if there's a fallout at a different time of day and a different day of the week. Look at what that number is. You're not going to get exactly what it is, but what you can see is if you see 1500 on a lane posted all day and that post never comes down, it's not enough money. That's why that number is still there. So, you know, there's at least a floor and you got to be paying above that. Yeah. The next thing I'm going to do is, go ahead. I was going to say, you talk about a load being up there all day. You can see the age of the loads on there. So make sure you're looking at all the data points on there. The next thing is I'm going to call around other days, even when I don't have a load to cover to see what that lane's doing. If I do a lot of business down the lane, I'm going to look at it other days. In fact, I used to just keep them live on one of my screens to watch it like a ticker. Like people watch the stock market all day to see what their stocks are doing, even though they're not trading. This is the same thing for us. Like this is to see what's going on in that lane. And then I would make a couple phone calls, especially if I had some downtime, call a couple trucks posted and just chat with them. Hey, you know, I run this lane a lot. I just covered all my loads. But out of curiosity, do you guys run this lane a lot? What do you guys typically look for? When do you typically look to book loads on this lane? You can find other carriers. You add those to your carrier list. This is where carrier bases come from, doing these additional steps, going a step beyond, going a step beyond to understand the market and to then building relationships, throw them on that Excel sheet. You know what? So maybe a week or two or even six months from now, you got to fall out on that same lane Thursday afternoon. You've got a list of some carriers that you could reach out to. It's just more ways to get engaged and to understand what's going on in the market that you're operating in. Not just looking at the yes. surface level where you're at trying to cover a load when you happen to have the load to be covered. Data is going to be a huge, powerful tool here. And I will say two, two ways to get help on this from somebody, talk to your coworkers and colleagues, right? If you're, if you're working on a different lane for a different customer, they're probably a lot more you know, open to showing you, here's what I do you know, when I'm dealing with this same situation. The other thing is, Talk to your rep from the load board, whether it's truck stop, DAT. I mean, I've, I've talked with reps from both of those two large boards in the past, and they're happy to show you the best way to use the software that you're paying for, that your company's paying for already. So good stuff. Man. Ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. Like you said, reach out to your provider, reach out to who, which the load board is, ask them for some stuff. We're going to be putting out some great training. I think we're going to be doing some YouTube training on some load boards coming up over the next few weeks. So you guys like, again, any specific questions about this, 
go take a look at us on YouTube, take a look at one of our resources and just ask us. We'll come up with the content. If enough people are asking about it, we'll create it. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Last question here. How quickly should I invoice my customers after I receive carrier's paperwork? Now, um, if you're an employee, you don't probably don't even do this. Same thing with if you're an agent. So this is probably someone that is a licensed broker on their own. Um, or maybe you're an employee or an agent for a company and you want to give some feedback on ways to improve their invoicing process. So we talked about this in the past. Usually a smaller brokerage, you might not have the manpower or the time in your day to invoice every single day. I will tell you that if you can invoice every single day, which is the company that I am affiliated with, we do it every single day. As soon as we receive the paperwork, it's done. That helps cash flow. It keeps customers happy. They're not wondering where stuff is. It gets trucks paid fast. It's good business, but you have to scale a company to a size that can do that. What I will tell you is don't sit on paperwork for too long though. Yeah, it's, it's going to kill you. It's one of those things that, you know, if you own your own brokerage, it's a necessary thing that needs to be done, but it, it also shouldn't be coming at the cost of prospecting. Yes. You know, I can't beat that home enough that if you're spending four hours a day processing paperwork every day and saying to yourself, I would be prospecting if I had more time, you're doing this too often. Yeah. I think here's what I've seen a lot of people do as a licensed broker, a day in the life, right? They might not do it every day, but maybe they've got a couple days a week where they dedicate at the end of the day, nighttime, or maybe they have an employee uh, assistant doing it, but they say, I'm going to take these couple hours, go through all my paperwork, get everyone invoice. Cause like I said before, bad or problems get worse with time. Bad news gets worse with time. So if you have a, if you invoice your customer late and then you find out there was an issue with the rate or one of the line items on it, or there's a PO number missing or a reference number missing. If you invoice them two weeks after that load delivered, and then you find out there's an issue, it's going to stall the process even, even more. Um, not every single load is going to go hundred percent perfect. There's going to be a, you know, detention or a tonu or a missing reference number or a piece of paperwork missing. You've got, or maybe it's a scale ticket, whatever the kind of load that you're moving. So the quicker you could turn these around, but caveat being without foregoing your prospecting, the better. Is that a fair? Yeah. And, fair and I think that's, it's the one thing, it's the one piece of advice nobody wants to hear, but it's the truth is that if it's not an income producing activity and you're not making the amount of money you think you could, you're not at your potential and you're way below where you think you could be, these things shouldn't be happening during business hours. Yeah. Find a way, find a time. They should be, yep. get up early. Like if you're starting your day at eight or nine and this is taking up the bulk of your day, push that back three hours. And if you can't get up that early, look at what time you went to bed the night before, right? They're all intertwined. Find time. You should not be giving up your prospecting and generating more customers. That's the lifeblood of the business. This is a necessary aspect of business, but should never be jeopardizing the other. For sure. For sure. And I would say as you progress your business, as you grow, there are a lot of accounting tools out there. A lot of good TMSs out there that have integration with QuickBooks and with Great Plains and other accounting functions where the invoicing process can get very, very easy. I've I've even done, um, I've experienced work with a certain company that had, when basically they connected to an inbox. So when a carrier's paperwork was brought in or sent in via email, that plugin for that accounting function auto scanned the attachments, checked the load number against the load in the system, the AP amount. And if everything looked good, it would then just wait for a manual quick approval, audit by a human, and then the invoice gets sent out where it's super automated. But you're paying for that. And you can't be paying for everything up front if you don't have the revenues and the profits coming in. Yep. Good stuff. Good questions, Ben. This is, this is a good, good episode. It's good. You know, it hit a little bit for everybody. A little bit for everybody. I'm still wondering if my uh, three-year-old carrier here that got their brokerage, if they're going to just not believe us and be like, no, there's got to be a shipper load board out there somewhere. There's uh, load every, lists. You can get on load yeah, lists. Those are pretty easy. Everybody wants to email every steal number right? customer out there and tell them you want to be on their list with 200 other people. 
It's funny. Is it, it always just reminds me of this. It just comes up so much in my industry. Is everybody wants this quick, easy solution? How to, well, just what's the fastest way to just get customers? I'm like, that's the bulk of the job. Ben, like, how long did it take you to everything. be what you would consider a successful broker? Uh, like personally, I mean, we're I not talking like, weeks. We're talking like months. that first year was probably. Yeah. First year, I was real profitable by like the six or seven month, but it was also because of what I, and this is where the advice comes from, right? Like that's what I did. What I did was I needed, I knew I needed to hit a hundred to 110 calls every day early on in the career, right? And I also knew that I didn't know how to find as many prospects as I had to actually feed that activity. Well, you needed to find other times. If I needed to hit that metric every day to get there faster than anybody else, then I had to get up earlier. So I'd start my day at five in the morning when everybody else started at seven. All of those little things add up to the fact that I was able to escalate the time and shorten that, right? But if everybody's just trying to find the easier way there, like that's in and of itself, I think the biggest issue here. Or the yeah. other one is, well, I just want to go on social media and then we'll just find shippers. But guess what? To do that well takes time and effort and consistency and engaging with other people and doing the same types of work, right? There is no shortcut to success. Like it's super cliche, but it's true. Like it's work. It is. It is. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of repetitions. It's a lot of failing and learning from your mistakes. You know, like we, we went through seven realistic questions today and realistic scenarios and we broke them down very, very detailed don't take all seven of these and try to make seven changes to your day. As you're getting better at something, focus on one thing at a time. You're going to succeed at what you focus on and what you're intentional about. And I think one of the big things, and this is why we talk a lot about this in coaching and why I spend a lot of time in my own development and personal work on like understanding my motivations and my purpose in life, right? And the quote I have above my desk this week is, the definiteness of purpose is the starting point of all achievement. W. Clement Stone. And it makes so much There's sense. There's the right? Ben like, proverb of the, it is. Of the week. But if Read you don't know, me. I, don't, I don't get it. Definiteness of purpose is the starting point of all achievement. Basically, knowing your purpose, why you're doing it, needs to happen before you're ever going to hit any of your goals. Because what do you think happens as soon as anything gets difficult? You bail and you go back to doing what you're else doing. If you are... Do you have definiteness of purpose why you're doing this? <laughs> no, definiteness was a word. Yeah. I would have called it like back, definitive, definity. I don't definit know. Eh. But Ooh. I guess, look it up. Definiteness. Definite. Definiteness of purpose. Because back to our earlier point, right? Adding a brokerage to your asset company, right? If you Quality don't know why you're doing that, if you don't know why you're opening this brokerage or why you're opening the doors, as soon as it gets hard, you're going to go right back to doing what you've done successfully. You need to know why you're doing these things. What's you your why? Why are you? Why do you want to get into this business? Why do you want to work in this industry? And maybe it is to have more money, but ask yourself the next question. Money does not make anybody happy. Money yeah. provides the ability to buy something else that maybe makes you happy time, freedom, the ability to spend more time with your family, whatever that is, when you can answer that question, you're a lot closer to why you're doing this. Yeah. I think, you know, there's got to be a, some sort of an intersection or a crossover between not just your desires, but what are your passions and what are you good at? And if those all align and it means you're in transportation, helping shippers out and solving problems and putting fires out and, you know, building relationships with carriers, you're in the right spot. If you're just here for a paycheck and that's your why, you're not going to last. You've got to be passionate about the world of logistics. I mean, dude, we run a podcast here. There's obviously a, a level of interest and passion that we both have. And the same goes with education. And that where yep. that overlaps is where we do our best here. So sweet, man. So that's a, uh, that's a wrap. What are your so, final thoughts? Upcoming final thoughts. I will, um, well, let's look forward to what we got coming up here. We've got some interesting upcoming episodes. We're going to be doing one with, I believe, Freight Waves for yeah, next, next week. Next week, we're going to be doing an episode of uh, with uh, Kevin Hill um, from, you know, a lot of their podcasts. He's, yeah. I think they're head of economic development over there too. Should and we're really going to be talking about finding a niche in your customer relations, or really yep. a niche in brokerage. And then followed on from them, another episode coming up is going to be with Baton, all about an interesting way to solve the issue of detention and dwell. 
So we'll get into that. It's all about power only, drop trailers. It's going to be interesting. We got some good stuff coming up here. So hope everyone enjoyed the episode. My prediction, Buffalo Bills hosting the Seahawks. I'm going to, for once, I'm going to, I'm going to give a, a fair assessment here. I think the Bills are going to lose, but I think they're going to, they're going to be in the game. You know, I think, I think hmm. the Bills are going to, they got like a 40% chance of winning. How about I put it that way? So the odds are against them. I think they're the going to be time. within three points, though. I think that's the first time I've heard you. I, I got to be honest. With your heart. Hey. Yeah. I was curious to honest. see if that was going to happen all year. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you got to have a reality check. Yep. So that way, if the Bills do pull off a, an upset, because hey, here's the deal. Every team at some point throughout the season has that game where they just absolutely fall apart. And sometimes it happens on the same day as their opponent having a really, really good week. And I think that is where that is the, that is likely the only outcome or the only path to victory for the bills this weekend is if the Seahawks don't pull it together and the bills play a full four quarters on defense to stop that run game and just Josh Allen putting up 300 plus yards again. So my daddy who's, uh, who's Pittsburgh got this. Week? That's why they play the games to begin with. Right. That's right. Steelers who we got, we got uh, Pittsburgh against the uh, Cowboys. Oh, <laughs> uh, how does Dallas keep getting these friggin' prime? Well, I don't want to call it prime time. The afternoon game. Yeah, it's four thirty game. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a W. Well, Hey, you never know. Like I just said, yep. If the Steelers have, have that bad week and the Cowboys pull it together with their third string quarterback, I don't think Andy Dalton's back yet. I could be wrong though. Um, you never know. The, at the end of the day, see. these are all professional football teams. Yeah. They're all professionals. So it's just some play together better than others. So we'll see. What are your final thoughts? Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. Until next time, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.